That is not for me. Okay. Oh my goodness. Well, it's been interesting this morning. My husband has a sore throat and a runny nose and a head cold that he caught from our grandchildren. We were up there in Spokane earlier this week and he was to have the sermon, but um, he is not. And he just handed me his notes in his Bible and said, here, you do my sermon. And I thought, I don't think I can do that. So thank you, Judy, is going to step in and be the Minuteman woman. Um, but he did send me with some announcements. Ah, let's see. Monday is elders meeting and board meeting. Are there any elders here? Judy? Um, and next week, no one will be meeting at the school Next week, no one will be. That's not right for next week, then, is it? No. Okay. Well, he does have a fever. <laughs> we'll, we'll cut him some slack. Okay, and then tomorrow afternoon at 4 o'clock is the string orchestra right here in our church. So um, there'll be a lot of community people here, so please come and welcome them into your church And um, at 4 o'clock. Four o'clock tomorrow afternoon, so um, please be there. Did you want me to have prayer too? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you for the rain. We thank you for the rest on the Sabbath day. Lord, we are so confident and secure in your love of us that our relationship with you, Lord, we know is the most important thing. Father, we worship you today. We worship your creative power and your redemption power. Um, we worship you that uh, you are coming again to rescue us from this earth. And Lord, may we just be your ambassadors until then. Give us strength for the day. And Lord, we pray for those people who aren't with us today for one reason or another. Um, those who are sick, my husband, those who are discouraged, those who um, just can't make it. But Lord, we know that how much you love them and give us that love for them too. Bless us, Lord, as we worship you today. Here we are. Come and be with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. How is everybody today? Good. Isn't it nice to see the rain? Yeah. Well, you don't have to water the lawn because God's taking care of it. <laughs> and the flowers. Isn't that nice? <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
Um, for those of you who have your Bibles, I'd like to uh, have you turn with me this morning to Acts chapter 4, and we will read together verses 8 through 20. I'll just wait a little bit for you to find your way in your Bibles, if you have it. Okay, starting with verse 8 in Acts chapter 4. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man you crucified but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. Can you say amen to that? Amen. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that, he, they, that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. It would be like today if we saw uh, your regular, I want to say regular, that sounds terrible, it almost sounds like discrimination, but your regular mill workers. Some of you here probably worked at Harris Pine Mills at one time. Do you think that you would have ever been considered uh, bold like Peter and John as a mill worker? Some of you probably were. But maybe a lot of people didn't think you were. The members of the council also recognized these men as having been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing the council could say. So they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber and conferred among themselves. What should we do with these men? They asked each other. We can't deny that they have performed a miraculous sign, and everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. And then if you'll just turn over a page or two to Acts 5, verses 25 through 29. Then someone arrived with startling news. 
The men you put in jail are standing in the temple, teaching the people. The captain went to his temple guards and arrested the apostles, but without violence, for they were afraid the people would stone them. Can you imagine how the captain and the guards went up to the apostles? The apostles had a crowd of people, and they didn't want to cite a riot. So they probably went up to the apostles and said, uh, you know, you guys are not following what the council said for you, so can you please quietly come with us? And I don't know if that's exactly how it happened, but it would seem like that would be the way it happened for them not to try to cite a riot among the people. It says that the cabin, again, I'll repeat on verse 26, the captain went with his temple guards and arrested the apostles, but without violence, for they were afraid the people would stone them. Then they brought the apostles before the high council, where the high priest confronted them. We gave you strict orders never again to teach in this man's name, he said. Instead, you have filled all Jerusalem with your teaching about him, and you want to make us responsible for his death. But Peter and the apostles replied, We must obey God rather than any human authority. There are um, times that we have to do something that we don't necessarily want to do. Is that correct? Um, when I was young, uh, Dale and I had only been married about three years when we had our daughter, uh, Christy. Up to that time, up to that time, I was a perfectionist about my home. I made sure that even the corners in the rooms were clean. I dusted everything, if not every day, every other day. My aunt, who raised us, had told me before Dale and I got married that I needed to make sure I kept a clean house because when she came to visit, she was going to do the white glove treatment. Yes, she was going to do the white glove treatment. And you know where she was going to do the white glove treatment? In an area that's very, that's not thought of very often. Above the doorpost. I made sure I always dusted above the doorpost. And then our daughter was born, three years into our marriage. And, um, well, two and a half years into our marriage, sorry. Um, and my life was consumed with taking care of her. She was even hyper uh, as an infant. She was awake like clockwork every two hours and needed to be fed. This went on for, uh, I think she was three months old before she actually slept for four hours instead of two. Yay! And um, uh, so I 
was getting totally frustrated. I was so tired, so tired with getting up every two hours and with her and changing her and feeding her and uh, making sure that I had dinner for my husband when he came home from work and making sure that the house was clean. And about the time we'd sit down to dinner, guess what? There would be a little often in her bedroom. So I often did not have an opportunity to sit down with my husband and eat dinner with him because she demanded my attention. Until one day, and I was criticizing myself because I was not keeping a clean house. Until one day, I saw this poem. And I read it once, and many of you will probably recognize it, especially you moms. Um, and I thought, you know, I'm going to take that philosophy because my child is more important than the dirt in my home or the, the windows that are dirty or smeared or, you know, the yard that has weeds growing in the flower beds or something like that. But it said, quiet down cobwebs, dust go to sleep. I'm rocking my baby, and babies don't keep. Isn't that the truth? And now that baby is 47 years old. Not much of a baby anymore. <laughs> so I took that philosophy. If you come by my house today, I still have that philosophy, sorry. <laughs> so you'll just have to take it the way it is. <laughs> there are things in life that are hard to do. But you know if they're important enough um, and they are right to do, then we do them anyway. The title for uh, my presentation this morning is Just Do It Anyway. There are sacrifices that we are made, uh, that we are called to make, that we often find inconvenient and excessively costly. But if we are convinced that God is calling us to make such a sacrifice, do it anyway. And I see the Gibson family here this morning. And they've been called to make a sacrifice and leave and go minister elsewhere. Though it's, it's sad for us to see them go and... Elizabeth is nodding her head. I think she means it's sad for her, them to go to. <laughs> they are making a sacrifice to leave and go minister somewhere else, just like Abraham. Abraham was called, as many of you who have studied your uh, adult Sabbath school lesson, Abraham was called to leave his home, where he probably was born and raised, and had lived there, I think, until he was like 75 uh, before he left the land where he was born and raised. He was called to leave family and friends and what he deemed as security in this one location in order to follow God's leading. Dale and I have frequently talked about 
leaving the area and moving someplace else. But you know, when we think about all the people that we're going to be leaving behind, the friendships that we would leave behind, also the fact that you have to find new doctors that will t accept you, especially if you're on Medicare, and uh, a new dentist, uh, things like that, it, it really is a handful to uh, think about not just moving and finding a new place to live, but getting acquainted with the community members and what they have, what the community has to offer, and and uh, like I said, make I think I said it, make new friends and and get your medical needs uh, lined up so that they would be cared for. And um, it's a uh, something that the Gibson family are going to have to do. There's a story, many of you that have been members here almost your whole lifetime may have remembered my cousin, uh, Randy Phillips, who was raised here. And uh, his family lived here for many years. Um, but what the incident I'm going to be talking about this morning happened in Granger, Washington before they moved here to Pendleton. One day, he was helping his dad out in the yard. I don't know what they were doing, but he was helping his dad. And he went up to my Uncle Ed, and he said to him, Dad, or probably Daddy, he was probably around four or five years of age, he went up to his daddy and said, Daddy, I'm going to marry Mama when I get old enough. And Uncle Ed turned to him and he said, Son, you can't marry your mother. That's not allowed. And at that, I, I can just visualize Randy going like this. <clears throat> I'm going to marry her anyhow. Well, many times in life, we, we need that attitude. I'm going to do it anyhow. Martina McBride, who is a well-known figure in the entertainment um, industry, I believe it's a song that uh, she sings, but part of the verses in the song says, God is great, but sometimes life ain't good. When I pray, it doesn't always turn out like I think it should, but I do it anyway. I do it anyway. The story I just read about um, Peter and John, they did it anyway. They preached about Jesus anyway, even though they knew they may have to uh, sacrifice something about their life or their friends, something. They may have to sacrifice because they talked about Jesus. They set the bar pretty high. We know that uh, all of the apostles had um, great courage. And all but two of them were martyred 
And who were the two that were not martyred? Anyone know? John and actually Judas Iscariot. Iscariot, Iscariot. You'll have to excuse me for referring to my notes quite a bit because I just found out (laughs) like 9.30 this morning (laughs) that I would be having the sermon, so excuse me. And Lynn, if you are listening, you are definitely missed right now. Okay. In more ways than one. Okay. Um, The Apostle Peter had healed a crippled man. And actually, the Israelites had not objected to him healing this man. Do you remember how long this man had been lame or crippled? For 40 years. 40 years. Well, I can imagine that some of the Israelites were glad he was healed because he was always on the temple steps asking for alms for the needy, alms for the poor. So now he was healed and he could get out and make his own alms. He could make his own money. Hopefully they were more overjoyed that he was just healed. I know that the crippled man was overjoyed that he was healed. He probably performed a happy dance. Do y'all have a happy dance? A happy dance. I I used to work with a, a lady. Her name was Susan. Not Susan Lundquist. About another Susan. And um, when something would go right, she'd come over to my workstation and she said, Judy, I'm here to do my happy dance. <laughs> and then I would say, Okay, Susan, what happened? What happened that made you do the happy dance? And oh, and then she would share. So you may not be physical in doing your happy dance, but I know that you're probably inside. Yes, yeah. oh, Danielle, good one, good one. <laughs> <laughs> well, he probably did a happy dance because we're told in the, the Bible that he was walking and leaping and praising God. Can't you imagine what that must have looked like? Walking and leaping and praising God. But the religious leaders did not have that kind of reaction. They had a very unkind reaction to him being healed. So they opposed the fact that this man, this lame man, had been healed. When you do something good, why is it that there are people that you know, whether they be friends or families, acquaintances, or even people you don't really know, who oppose what you've done doing good? I believe that sometimes they are envious of the thanks and adulation you might get for doing good. Also, sometimes they might accuse you of showing off. Imagine that. You're just showing off. Or seeking other people's praises. Sometimes they think that they themselves were cheated when you did more for someone else than you did for them. There's a story told about Andrew Carnegie, who, uh, of course, you 
A lot of you know who Andrew Carnegie was. He was a multi-millionaire. When he died and there was a reading of his will, one of his relatives uh, found out that Carnegie had left him a million dollars. I wish I had an Andrew Carnegie in my life. He had left him a million dollars. That was a lot of money back in those days. But guess what? That relative cursed him. Cursed him thoroughly because Carnegie had left $365 million to public charities. And this relative thought, I only got a measly one million. Sometimes when you do good, you find out it's just not enough. That whomever you do good for, they're asking for more. I, um, well, I won't talk about that. I might talk about it later. But there was a homeless man who was offered a, a motel, uh, to not the whole motel, but a room in a motel, to stay for the night. And surprise, surprise, he refused it. Can you imagine why? Not because the street slept any better. Because there was no color TV and no free breakfast in the morning. So he didn't want the room. Sometimes it's been said, and you've probably all heard this, no good deed ever goes unpunished. Yes. <laughs> Guess what? If you have been faulted by some good that you have done, I encourage you to do it anyway. Because that's what Jesus would do. Jesus came to do good. To provide the sacrifice that God demanded for the purchase of you. And you. And you. And you. And you. All of us. All of us. Or I should do it this way, not point fingers. <laughs> okay. Um, our mottos as Christians ought to be John Wesley's rule of life. And when I played at the Methodist Church, uh, when I played the organ for the Methodist Church for many years, this was brought up over and over again because he was a, one of the founders of the Methodist Church, I believe. Anyway, this was his motto. Do, and you probably recognize this, do all the good you can by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. Paul said in 2 Thessalonians 3.13, But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary of doing good. 
Do you ever get tired of doing good? I have. I have. It's the human nature in me, and I think it's the devil tapping me on the shoulder, telling me, okay, Judy, you've done enough. You've done enough. You, you've been a good girl. You've done enough. Even if you're tired, that's enough. Go home and rest. Some time ago, I um, saw this. I'll just lift it up. It, I know it's too small a print for y'all to read. But I saw this in a magazine. And it spoke to me. And I had to get it. And I'm in the process of remodeling um, one of our spare bedrooms. <clears throat> and I'm making it my prayer room. Uh, and this is going to go up over my, my desk that I have in there because I need to read this every day. I need it for me. I need it as an encouragement to me because I fail miserably every day, every day. And I'm so glad that God forgives me. I really am. But it's entitled, which is the title of my sermon today, Do It Anyway. People are often unreasonable, irrational, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. I want you to, well, as I read this, I want you to think of individuals in your life that may have done some of these things to you or maybe that you have done yourself, and hope for the, the final line that addresses that particular subject. So, again, I'll read the first one. People are often unreasonable, irrational, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, you will win some unfaithful friends and some genuine enemies. Succeed anyway. If you are honest and sincere, people may deceive you. Be honest and sincere anyway. <clears throat> what you spend years creating others could destroy overnight create anyway if you find serenity and happiness some may be jealous be happy anyway the good you do today will often be forgotten do good anyway Give the best you have, and it will never be enough. Do good anyway. In the final analysis, it is between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. Let's pray. Our Father, we want to thank you so much for the opportunity that we have this Sabbath morning to meet with you.
We thank you for the rain that is uh, coming down outside, watering your earth, making things more green and colorful during this time of late spring and getting ready for summer. We are just so grateful for the bounty of nature, the bounty of your love that you are showing to us today. Thank you for the message of doing it anyway. May we remember to do it anyway, no matter what circumstances are brought to us. May we rely on you to help us to do it anyway, to do good anyway. I also pray that you will be with those members who are unable to be here today, whether through uh, illness, meeting elsewhere, or on vacations. Be with them this Sabbath day. Watch over them and bless their Sabbath. Now bless us as we go forth from our meeting place today that we will have a good week doing it anyway. Amen. Thank you for coming, and you may leave at your uh, convenience. <laughs> <laughs>